Now, I'm often in awe when I hear wonderful preachers or teachers or speakers speak. And I love to listen to them. And down through the last three or four decades when I've heard preachers and teachers, uh, particularly the one that inspired me in some ways to go into the ministry, John Guest, who still is a model and an example for me, I just love to listen to him preach and other people that have blessed my life. And, you know, for the last centuries, and when I say centuries, I mean centuries, famous preachers that I have read, heard about and read, like, for example, John Wesley, who would go out into the fields and thousands would gather, which boggles my mind. These guys didn't even have sound systems. If you think about it, Speaking to thousands, George Whitfield, who they guesstimate at times would preach from anywhere to 20,000 and up to 50,000 people who could hear him. That boggles my mind. The fact that he could captivate people listening to him for an hour while he preached. In fact, one time, I believe it was in Philadelphia, that one of the people listening to George Whitfield preach was Ben Franklin. And for those of you that don't know, Ben Franklin was not a Christian. He was a deist. He believed in God, but what he believed was kind of fuzzy. And yet at the same time, he was curious. And he loved to hear George Whitfield preach. And so he was listening to him preach one time, and someone said to him, why are you listening to him preach? You don't believe what he's saying. And Ben Franklin paused, and he said, but he does. Because he preached with such passion and conviction. Because he preached the basic gospel. And the power of God was evident in his preaching. Ben Franklin, there was something in him that was drawn to listen to George Whitfield. And there's been other preachers in the past, for example, like Charles Spurgeon. Now, some of you probably know that name. Some of you may not know that name. Some of you may have even read some of his sermons. I've read dozens of his sermons, and some of them would fly today. A lot of them probably wouldn't even fly today. For example, one reason is they're long. A lot of people don't like that. People here love long sermons, fortunately. Another reason is because he assumes a certain amount of literacy with his people, particularly biblical literacy, that again wouldn't fly today because a lot of people don't know the Bible like they did back then, interestingly enough. But a lot of the images and language that he uses just would not go today because people want a lot of humor and they want a lot of stories. And he, he taught and preached the Scriptures. And it's interesting because people talk about mega churches today. His was probably one of the first mega churches. They built a 6,000 seat sanctuary for him. What a lot of people also don't know about Charles Spurgeon is he frequently got depressed. As much as the Lord used him, as powerful as his preaching was, 
He was so overwhelmed by the power of God in his own inadequacy and weakness. He would have to take time off and go away because of his depression. He realized his own fallibility, his own struggles, his own flaws. Powerful preachers that we're all familiar with, or most of us, Billy Graham, Martin Luther King Jr. A few decades back, D.L. Moody. But I love to read of these preachers, and I love to read their sermons, and how they touched lives. And most of the people that we're talking about, it was the basic gospel that inspired them. But isn't it also interesting that when we hear people that maybe aren't great orators, great preachers or teachers, how they can touch our lives. Think about how sometimes when we hear children speak and their testimony, or when we hear disabled people speak and their testimony. Think about Mother Teresa just for a second. She's not impressive in her appearance. She's a shriveled up elderly woman. When you first look at her, she's not impressive. She's not terribly eloquent or powerful in her speech unless you know her story, unless you know her ministry. Something changes. When you know her story and you know her ministry, because of the power of God working in her life, something changes. How you listen to her and how you hear her. Steve last week talked about people that have come forward here and given testimony about their ministry. Lauren Fettis, a teenager. And she stood up here and she started talking and she started crying and how everybody was touched by what she said because of her mission trip to Honduras. And Ron Clifford, how he oftentimes, because how touched he is, well, he's touched anyway, but how touched he is. (laughs) In his Kairos ministry, and he's going to talk a little bit about that later. Because it's the outreach of the month. And we're moved by that. It's not always the great orators. And that's what Paul is saying in Corinthians. And it's really, really fascinating because Paul, in his, if you will, prior life, was really a confident guy. But then he was hit. He was struck. He was touched by the words of Jesus Christ and cut to the heart. And something changed. Something changed in him because of the gospel penetrating his heart and his life. And you know, the evidence we have about Paul and his presence, if you will, when he spoke, when he came and people saw him, he wouldn't be impressive. You know, I don't know how many of you saw the movie 
uh, Peter and Paul. You remember who portrayed Paul in that? Anthony Hopkins. Like really powerful, had a British accent, you know, kind of like awesome. You know who I would picture would play Paul in a movie? Danny DeVito. Kind of short, unimpressive. You know, people look down on Paul if you get the impression when you read the scriptures about him. He said he wasn't confident or impressive when he showed up. He wasn't terribly articulate or eloquent. In fact, some people speculate that he was probably going blind. And he wouldn't even say at one point, I write powerful letters, yes, but when I was with you, I wasn't so strong. Because it was the gospel. It wasn't him. He was equipped. No question. In fact, he knew that when he spoke to Jews and when he spoke to Gentiles, he'd actually have to approach it in different ways. He'd first go to the synagogue. In fact, that was his custom. He was trained in the school of Phariseeism. He was a rising star. He'd go to the synagogue first and he would talk from the Scriptures because he knew the Scriptures inside and out. And then oftentimes he'd get thrown out of the synagogues. And then he'd go to the Gentiles and he would probably take a different approach. One example of that is Acts 17 when he was in Athens. And he would talk about all their gods and then he would talk about the unknown God. And he would take a completely different approach. Paul was a smart guy. He'd be like one of those professors, for those of you that went to college, or maybe even high school, and had teachers that were really, really bright, had the book knowledge, and you'd like snooze when you had them. Because they were terrible. Paul had one, you know, one time he was speaking in a house and somebody fell down, you know, three stories down because he was so boring. the power of the gospel. And that's what Paul kept saying. The power of his ministry is that he was completely given over to Jesus Christ. He was sold out. He was willing to suffer persecution. If you know his story, it's incredible. And that's his one line. When I came among you, I came to know nothing amongst you but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because that's the key. That's what Paul wanted them to know. And it's really interesting. You have to remember where he is. He's in Corinth. 
Corinth would be like going to Las Vegas or San Francisco, you know? Entertainment time, fun time, vacation time, party time. Who cares about anything else but me having pleasure and fun? And yet he went into that place and he said, I came amongst you to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, there's, there's three cities, primary, primary cities in Greece. You've got Sparta. Sparta would be like a city made up of gold's gym, you know? <laughs> Athletes, warriors. That would be Sparta. And then you would have Athens. Athens would be the place of the intellectuals. The people involved in government, the bright people. And that's why he takes the approach that he does in Acts chapter 17. Read it. But then when he comes to Corinth, as much as they are pleasure seekers, as much as they're out for a good time, what is also evident is a lot of bankrupt lives and needy people and people that are hurting. And so what does he say to them? You know, he could have kicked into his Pharisee role. You know, that's so, so tempting for a lot of us. For those of us that have walked with the Lord for a long time and we're seeking to emulate the Lord and live holy lives, it is so easy for us to fall into being condemnatory. To look down our noses at people and say, how can they be so corrupt? You know, the reality is, if people don't know the Lord, if they don't have the Holy Spirit in their lives, why wouldn't they act that way? You need to understand that. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't people be who they are out there if they don't know the Lord? That's exactly how they're going to act. I don't know why we don't understand that. That's what Paul understood. For the Jew, you think you can be good enough? That's not what this is about because you can't. For the Gentile, your gods are whimsical. Your gods are just like human beings. They're seeking their own way. They're seeking their own pleasure. I'm talking about a God who died for you because of his love for you. I came to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And you know what's interesting about Paul's approach? Paul doesn't say that he came with all this confidence. He rode in on a chariot. He's handsome, well-dressed. No. What he says is he came with weakness and fear and trembling. That's not how you picture someone who came in and the gospel spread like wildfire. Do you understand that? He came with fear and trembling and weakness. Why is it we think when we go out and we want to talk to somebody 
about the, uh, about the Lord, we have to have all the answers and we have to have all this confidence. This is not, Paul is not like Winston Churchill. You know, never give up. Never give up. You know, that's not, that's not Paul. Do you know that speech, right? That's all he said. He said, never give up, never give up, never, never, never give up. Then he sat down. That's his speech. Some of you would like a sermon like that. It ain't going to happen, trust me. Paul said, I came with fear, trembling. Because you need to understand where the real power comes from. It's not from my elegance and eloquence. It's not from my intellect. It's from the power of the cross. It's from your belief. You're opening your heart to the Lord and the power of the cross, the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. That's where the power comes from. That's where the change is going to happen. That's why. And if you think it's anything else, if you think it's because of you being so good, you totally misunderstand what this is about. Because that's not what it's about. Earlier in Paul's letter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul would say, Jews seek signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Let me explain to you what that means. See, the Jews were always looking for some kind of sign, something miraculous, something incredible, kind of like Moses and the ten plagues and the parting of the Red Sea. You know, the reality is Jesus performed all kinds of signs and he said to them, you know, after all these miracles I've done, you're going to get one sign. It's Noah. Or I'm sorry, it's Jonah. Jonah, the sign of Jonah. Why did I say Noah? I don't know. The sign of Jonah. Three days in the tomb and then rising again. The sign of Jonah. In other words, he's going to die. He's going to die on a cross. That's the sign. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He even would say at one point, even if someone rises from the dead, if you haven't believed this, you're not going to believe that either. You know what's amazing to me is how much people invest in this world. How much people spend their time and their resources and their focus and everything about their lives on this world and not think about that. That Jesus died on a cross and rose again. He said that's the sign. And if you're really willing to open your eyes and open your heart to it, that's the power. That's what he's saying to the Jews. To the Gentiles, he's saying, you seek wisdom. You know what the wisdom of this age is? It doesn't matter what you believe. That's the wisdom of this age. It doesn't matter. Because it's all okay. Does that make sense to you? It's never made sense to me. How can everything be true? If everything's true, nothing's true. 
If every belief is valid and equal, it's not true. It can't be. It's contradictory. It's illogical. And that's the wisdom that this age has to offer? That's the same thing that Paul's saying back then. It's not the signs, because the only sign you get is the cross and the resurrection. It's not the wisdom, because the wisdom of this age is foolish, foolishness. It's your willingness to open up your heart to the truth of the gospel. Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, working in your heart and your life to change you forever. That's the truth that Paul spoke. Simply. I came to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And it will show in your life if it's true for you. Just like it did for Paul. You know, there's a lot of one-liners out there that really have changed lives and changed generations. Think about it. Let me throw some one-liners out there that you'll recognize. You'll recognize the person and you'll recognize the impact. Four score and seven years ago, who said it? Abraham Lincoln. Okay? And it had an impact on our country, right? I have a dream. Martin Luther King Jr. Had an impact. Had an impact on our country. Changed our country in positive ways. A day which will live in infamy. Roosevelt, FDR. Which got us involved in the Second World War. There's one one-liner I want you to remember from today. And it's Paul's. I came to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That one one-liner. And you believing that one-liner is what changes your life now and changes your life forever. You know, it's interesting. When Jesus said, I don't know if you caught this in the Gospel reading. Jesus said, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. Did you catch that? That's the end of the reading. Everybody that listened to him and heard that would say, that's not possible. We're just common people. We can't be like them. They're like the really holy ones. You know? They're the guys that wear the white robes and stand up front. I mean, if you think I'm more righteous than you, you've missed it, okay? Later on in the same chapter, verse 48, Jesus would say, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. You think he drew the line in the sand then. Think about verse 48. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. What he's saying is, when it comes to being like the scribes and Pharisees, they fall short. When it comes to being like God, everyone falls short. The only way, the only way, is understanding the one line. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because we need a Savior. 
We cannot be righteous enough in and of ourselves. And we can't change without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to change, to be changed, to be transformed. And that's what Paul's saying. And that's why we can come in our weakness. And we can come in our fear. Because He has what we need. And we can go out into the world and bring the same message without having all the answers. Without having total confidence. Because the only way the world is going to change is if they know this truth. And it's the only truth we need to know. I came to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And if you know that, you know everything. It's all you need. Now and forever, it's all you need. Let's pray. We hear the wisdom of the world every day. If we turn on the TV, if we turn on the radio, and we see bankrupt lives every day. And sometimes in our weakness, we struggle with our own our own inability to change our own inability to do anything about it. Lord, help us to remember that that's the reason you sent your son. Because we need a savior. And we can't do anything without him. Because we need a Lord to direct us and guide us and strengthen us. Because we need your spirit to be transformed. And we need your spirit to empower us not only to change, but to be used by you to bring change to the lives of others. Lord, as Paul said to the Corinthians, not many of you are eloquent. And not many of us have that power of speech. But we have the access of the power of your spirit to be transformed and to be your instruments of transformation. Lord, help us to hold on to that one truth, that one gift, the power of your spirit and the power of your love. Jesus Christ, and Him crucified. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen.